0: to thank you uh, for being here today. Um, It it says a lot when you guys know that Pastor Jake's going to be out of town and you show up on a Sunday, and so I'm really grateful that you guys are here this morning um, with all of us. It's just the most... Uh, perfect place to be on a Sunday morning at Second Baptist Church, and I'm grateful to be here with all of you, um, and I wish Jake um, well in his travels today. I hope he doesn't have any delays. He took some much-needed time away, and we uh, wish him well, and can't wait to see him when he gets back um, later this evening, I think. I'm not sure, but travel safely if you're watching, and I hope he's not. I hope he's resting. Um, will you take a minute with me? I'd like to start uh, by praying with you. God, I, I just ask for your... Um, I ask for your grace and for your peace and for your comfort, Lord. Um, It's been a hard weekend, and we mourn, and yet we praise you in the morning. We know that you are with us, and we know that you are carrying us right now, God. And I ask that you speak your words through me today so that something I say might be a blessing to this church. For it is because of your love that we are here. Amen. I'd like to start by saying thank you and in a little bit of apology to Callie because it was a very long scripture, um, 1 through 41, and we are not preaching from the Psalms, I took a break from that because I love this story, y'all, and I was so grateful that it was on the lectionary, and I thought, you know, Jake's doing the Psalms, Cheryl's not, so I'm doing something in my own way. Um, and I just I really enjoyed the story, and I'm grateful to Mike, who's back there in place of Rachel and Zach. Um, and Mike was putting together the worship guide, and and we always Jake is so good, y'all, in worship planning about trimming the scripture and knowing what to cut. And and they kept saying, What are you gonna trim? Are you gonna trim <laughs> 41 verses? And I kept thinking, Yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna cut Mike, I promise. And I ended up cutting four verses that I'm gonna tell you about in the sermon anyway, so I shouldn't have cut them. Um, but <laughs> I just love the story. It's wonderful of my favorites and it's so good from beginning to end and so um, I'm just grateful to talk about it with all of y'all and if you have ideas afterwards you just tell me because I'd like to add to um, what I'm thinking. Now. Uh, when I was a teenager, young, teen, maybe 12 or 13, um, I loved this gift that one of my friends gave me. It was a picture uh, to put on my wall, and it was one of those 3D hidden image pictures. And Mike is going to put one up there. And so I know that y'all, y'all can't really see what's on the screen, but it's, it was my favorite thing, y'all. There were these pictures, and you kind of have to get a little cross-eyed to stare into the picture, and out pops this really cool 3D image. And if you were close enough to this picture, you would see that there's a giraffe, and he's smiling, and he's kind of standing with one of his legs a little cocked, and he's got this ring around his neck, and there's a bucket behind him. And I, I wonder if maybe he was thinking about kicking the bucket? I don't know. But it's this really cool picture, and I thought it was funny. Um, and so I really fell in love with these... <laughs> 3D. d I was 12 and 13, and I fell in love with 3D hidden pictures. My friends were hanging up Backstreet Boys and New Kids on the Block, but I was hanging up 3D pictures on my wall because I was really cool like that. Um, and so, thank you, Mike. Um, I just wanted you to see that. You think you're looking at something, and then it becomes um, something totally different. And I loved it. And, I was, uh, and it just really struck me when I was reading through this story about... Um, believing is seeing and I didn't believe what was in the picture until I would see it and that's what helped me come up with the name of this sermon as I said this is one of my favorite um, scriptures stories in the Bible um, and one of the first details that struck me um, as I was studying for today's sermon is the fact that this man okay we all know he was blind so he didn't seek out Jesus he didn't ask for Jesus to come over to him. Jesus sought out this person. And it really struck me. Um, Jesus knows exactly what to look for at the right time. A few months ago, I preached on Zacchaeus. Same thing. Jesus sought out Zacchaeus. And I thought, wow, how cool. They all kind of tag together. Um, and Jesus is, is looking for this man in particular. Um, and I loved the interesting point in verse 8 where it says, His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. Now, okay, y'all think about it for just a minute. These people that are saying this, these are his community, they've been walking past him for years, probably. We don't know really how old he is, but he's been sitting in the same spot and they walk past him day after day. And yet this really cool encounter happens and they're not really sure um, that it was him. So I felt a little bit of guilt. I love that part in the end of the scripture. Not love, but it struck me. Your guilt remains. Um, I found myself thinking back to times in my life where I wish I could change. Sometimes do you find yourself walking uh, on the other side of the street to avoid something uncomfortable that you might encounter with someone? Um, I grew up, in a different town that had a lot more um, food insecure and homeless friends who would be more prevalent in the community. And my parents taught me to walk on the other side of the street so we didn't have, they wouldn't ask me for it. And I'm, I'm now embarrassed by that. I work at St. Benedict's work. I volunteer and I spent I love it. Um, we engage in communication with these people. Um, I'm embarrassed that at times I've pulled up to a stoplight and, and hoped that it would turn green fast, so I wouldn't have to make eye contact with a person who needed my attention to my left. Um, and I thought about these people, and even though they've been walking past him for years and years, they don't really know what he looks like because they've been avoiding him. And Jesus knew exactly who to look for and right where to go. And I thought it was awesome that Jesus does so much more for this blind man in the story than purely giving him his sight. He creates this sense of purpose in this person. He he sees beyond uh, the need for sight, and he empowers this man with his own self-confidence and self-worth, and we see that as the story goes on. After he explains himself to the community in verse 11 of what happened to him, and then to the Pharisees in verse 15, and then a third time again to the Pharisees, how Jesus has restored his sight, He speaks up in verse 27, and I really love what he says. He says, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become disciples too? Okay, this man who's been sitting, I imagine, and begging for years now gets a little bit sassy with these people that are the Pharisees, and I like that part of the story. He's, imagine that he's standing there with his shoulders uh, pulled back a little bit, and he's standing up taller, and he's saying, look, I've already told you three times you're not listening. I don't need to tell you again. You're still not going to, to hear what I'm saying. I would just believe that this is a complete reversal of character. Maybe that's why they didn't know who he was, because he's totally a different person. Jesus did all kinds of things for this man, besides just giving him his sight, because he had the faith in Jesus Christ. Everything was restored. So a few days ago, um, I, I think it was two Sundays ago, uh, Mason went somewhere after lunch. He usually goes to lunch with us, but Chris and I went to lunch by ourselves. And um, I was telling him about the sermon, and I was nervous, kind of talking about what I was going to be, what direction I was going to go, and I was talking about believing is seeing, and and um. I did one of those things to him that Mason does to us all the time, and I thought it was funny. We'll be sitting at the dinner table, and we'll give out some fact, and we'll say something, and Mason will go, "Nah," and he'll get out his phone, and within 10 seconds, he has fact-checked us to see if it's right or not. And Chris was telling me, he's like, oh, so you're, oh, oh, you know, like the, like the logos. And I said, what, what, what are you talking about? He's like, well, you know, like the FedEx logo, and Mike's going to show you. So I was Two weeks years old I guess people say and maybe I'm the only one in this room and I'm going to be embarrassed if that's true but I never knew that there was an arrow in FedEx that points to the direction we want to go do you see it between the e and the x at the end there is an arrow and now that you see it you can't unsee it it's been there my whole life and I never paid attention to it and I had to fact check it and Chris said well and Baskin-Robbins and I said yeah what about it 31. The number 31 is in the Baskin Robbins logo. Never have I ever seen that before till I fact checked it. And how many bags of Tostitos have y'all eaten with me? There are people enjoying chips and salsa right in the logo that I have never seen till that day and the last one i'd like to give us all some grace maybe you don't eat Toblerones as often i don't eat them that often they're fancy candy so you eat them only at christmas when people give them to you right look in the mountain in the Matterhorn mountain there is a bear in the snow never did i ever see that either it was my first time and i didn't i didn't believe him until i had to look at the logos um, and see them, and it fit right in, and I was so interested in what Chris was telling me. Thank you so much, Mike. Okay, let's be honest. Is there anyone else that learned that today, or am I the only one? Did anyone learn something? T- oh, yes, look at all these hands raising up. Praise Jesus. We all are praising. I like it. Thank you. Good. I feel good. You're going out of here knowing something you didn't know uh, today. It's awesome. <laughs> um, I was enlightened, and I'm glad that you are, too, now the second um, important lesson that I learned from reading the scripture um, is the act of blind obedience given by this man. We are all called um, to have faith in Christ. It's 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 in the Bible. Jesus says that we are we are called to be faithful, right? Um, but for for many of us, I believe that it is in our human nature to ask questions. And to ask for um, the details. I want all the details. I am this person, y'all. If you tell me that we are going to do something, well, I just can't do it blindly. I need you to tell me how we're going to get there. How many cars is it going to take? How long is it going to take? What's going to happen when we get there? Um, It's one of those things that's in my instinct. Um, And even with God, y'all, sometimes do you find yourself asking God, but then wondering, Well, how's it going to happen? And uh, You have to be such a control freak that you can't just turn it over to God instead of asking blindly and trusting that God's going to do what God needs to do. We always want to know what's the expected outcome. As Jesus is putting this clay that he has created with his saliva on the man's eyes, we hear nothing from this person. Jesus instructs him to find his way to the pool of Siloam while he's still blind, and the man goes without protesting. Y'all, this man has never seen. He, he woke blind. And Jesus says, I need you to go here. First of all, we don't know where here is. We don't know how far away it is. But I do believe that this man's center was around where he sat and begged day after day. I don't believe that he ventured very far in his daily life. And yet Jesus says, I need you to go and do this. And the man finds his way, without asking any questions, he does. It is his faith, I believe, that heals him. He told me to go to Salome and wash, so I went, and then I could see. By giving this man this challenge, Jesus shows him so much more, y'all. He shows him that he's not helpless. It's because of those steps of obedience that he took that his eyes were opened. The disciples asked him in the beginning, why is this man blind? And Jesus' answer to me, it demonstrates to all of us that sometimes we might be asking God for something, but God sees something even further. And this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Through the faith of one, others can see the works of love, of the love of Christ. Jesus said this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. After he's healed, he has so much confidence. He's talking to all of these people. He's telling his story. He's sharing his faith. He's becoming a prophet, right? Right before our very eyes. While I was studying, um, I found this very interesting, and it, it went right along with this story. Um, if you think back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, when God said, Let there be light. And I was reading, and Mark Batterson, he compares the sixth miracle of Jesus to the original miracle when light comes into the world. And I love this part where he says, God's voice challenges the darkness, and the darkness is defeated by light. In our story today, Jesus tells his disciples in verse 4, As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Y'all, we are called to be the light of the world. And when are we called to be the light of the world? Right now. We are called now to be God's hands and feet. I was reminded as I was studying that there are so many similarities in the waiting period of Lent that mirror the waiting period of Advent. Um, And in another article that I had read, um, written by Henry Nowen, um, it was specifically written for Advent. Uh, I just really was very intrigued by what he said. God shows us that what little we give away multiplies with this miracle. Soon he will give away his life, which will become salvation for the whole world. Likewise, you and I represent his hands and feet. We must not focus on what we don't have. But we must be generous with what little knowledge, advice, possessions, and love that we do have. The more we give them away, the more we discover how much more there is to give away. We don't end up empty, but rather enriched. We won't find ourselves destitute. But instead, we will realize our role as distributors. And that, that word right there, distributors, is the reason I loved this passage so much. Um, I thought, well, that is just the coolest thing. Oh, we are all walking around with our backpacks. Um, We are distributors, and in our backpack is not things that we are giving out to people, not tangible things like candy and Cokes and things. In our backpack is joy. In our backpack is light. In our backpack are praises. In our backpack our songs, our scriptures. And these are the things that we are to distribute, to not hold on to, to not hoard in ourselves, but to give out as we go around. The blind man was so very proud to share his story. He wasn't afraid to speak the truth immediately. And this is what we are called to do. And this is the part of the story where I cut the scripture, and I'm going to tell you what I cut, because I really loved, um, in the middle of the um, passage there is this part where the Pharisees, they still don't believe him, and they decide, you know what, we're going to call his parents over. We're going to call them over and, and ask them, what happened? Can you explain to us what happened to this man? <laughs> and I put myself in the parents' place, and they, I love that they got a little nervous, and they said, oh, oh, no, 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 he, he is of age. You just ask him and he will tell you. They got a little chicken. <laughs> I said, sorry, you're on your own. We've taken care of you for 18 years or however many years it was. And they stepped away. And he stood up and he did it himself. And he said, this is what Christ did for me. Um, I am proud to tell you my story. I am proud to share it. Um, I just thought it was so interesting. Y'all, if we wait for the right time to tell our stories of faith, well, that moment is going to pass you by. It's going to pass me by. It's important that we actively seek to share the love of Christ with others. When we allow the light of Christ to shine within us, I believe that we bring so much glory to God. The man in the scripture tells the Pharisees, and it's telling us as well, God listens to the godly person who does his will. I don't often think of myself as a godly person. That's a high praise. God listens to the godly person. We are godly people because we were created in God's image. We have to remember that and we have to live to that standard. And if we do God's will and we share what's in our backpack, we're going to bring so much glory to this person. And God's going to listen to those requests and those prayers and probably see things that we didn't even see that we needed. There's one more story I'd like to finish with today. Um, A few weeks ago, I was watching the nightly news with, oh man, I forgot his name again. I remembered it in the early service. Lester Holt, with Lester Holt. Comes on at 5.30, I love Lester Holt. He says, take care of yourself and others. I love his phrase at the end. Um, And on this story that night, he was sharing um, about a person and I was doing laundry and doing some chores and all of a sudden I became enthralled in this story on the TV and kind of put down what I was doing. It was the story of a man named Michael Cleveland uh, Michael Cleveland, you're going to see his picture in just a minute, he was born uh, blind. He's 44 years old. He's from Indiana. He was born blind, also born with a cleft palate. And um, at a very, very young age, he also suffered a major ear infection that caused him to be mostly deaf um, in one of his ears. So he was born into trauma, um, and his parents decided that they were not going to let this be um, debilitating for Michael, and they encouraged him. They uh, lived in Indiana, so they loved bluegrass music, and so when Michael was four years old, they put a violin in his hands, and he began taking uh, the Suzuki method. I took the Suzuki method when I was learning to play the flute, and I never got to his level, and he was learning um, to play the fiddle, and he obviously had some natural talent, so then he began to learn how to play the banjo, um, and he grew, and his talents grew and grew as well, Um, and he became um, one of the most fiddle, one of the most famous fiddle players um, in the United States. Over the past 20 years, he has been awarded fiddle player of the year 10 times, and in 2022, um, he was honored with this award called the National Heritage Fellowship, which is the United States government's highest honor in the folk and traditional arts. Um, they went on to tell us in the um, story on the news that he is part of a band um, and. They ended up doing a documentary called Flame Thrower. Flame Thrower? Flame Keeper? Flame Thrower. And I, had to, I was so interested in this story that I had to go watch the entire documentary because I was so enthralled with the talent. I just, first of all, the joy on his face um, struck me how happy he was. And as I watched the documentary on Michael, um, I found that his life, besides being born with all of these um, disabilities, he suffered lots of trauma um, as he grew. Um, he suffered alcoholism, uh, anger issues. Um, he was a, the senior member of the band that he ran, Flame Keepers. That's the name of the band. Um, and he would they would ride a bus together. And many of the band members on the bus would share on the documentary that oftentimes it was very difficult to travel with Michael when he was suffering um, through some of these difficulties. And he overcame them. And eventually he... Uh, was able to overcome the alcoholism which helped him overcome the anger issues and he learned um, that his faith in Christ was stronger than anything he had endured and he just became so much more grateful and this picture is a very recent picture of the joy um, that he experiences every time uh, he picks up the fiddle and plays and it just it brought me so much um, fascination I think as I was watching this story that this person who was born with so much less than I was born with has so much to be grateful for and he sees things very differently than I do and probably better than I do in so many ways. In verse 38 um, we see that because of this man's belief he is able to see. Y'all if we allow ourselves to close our eyes and to listen to these words that we've read I believe that God will allow us as well to see things much brighter. Thank you so much.